Welcome to today's show with my brother, the certified health nut, Troy Casey. Troy Casey is somebody I've been following for a while now. He's a Czech practitioner and he just wrote the book, hashtag ripped at 50. And, uh, you know, it's a, fu- it's a funny title. He even talks about it in the book, um, how marketing plays into these things. It is uh, a book that goes beyond being ripped. It's a book that goes beyond fitness and it certainly goes beyond health. And he has some really core pillars on how to live. And this is a guy who has a shit ton of experience in life. Um, he was a Versace model. He, I mean, as a male model in Milan, uh, he's done a lot of things over the course of his, uh, I believe, 54 years on this planet. But he's really taken a deep dive into all things that that really matter. How do we get the most out of life? What are the core principles that we need to address in order to live each day a little bit better than the last day previous? And this has been a conversation that's a long time coming. Uh, We don't pull punches. We get right into social media and mainstream media censorship. And we talk, of course, about his book and dive into best practices for navigating a world that seems a little bit iffy at times. Uh, Troy's fired up in this podcast. You know, when I, I referenced the podcast he did with Paul Check and Living 4D, where they do a bit more of Troy's background and, and uh, you know, just the lessons that he's gleaned from all of his work experience and different businesses and trades that he's been a part of. And Troy comes across pretty calm. Uh, he's not too calm on this interview. You know, we, we really get fired up in it. And um, I love the passion that's behind Troy and his mission. And uh, there's no doubt, you know, this guy is one of the voices in the modern world, similar to Shervin from Symbiotica, had a huge response. Um, Of course, if you missed that one, it's just a couple episodes back or three episodes back. But um, Troy's just a phenomenal guy, you know, and he's I, I am inspired when I talk to people like him because I know there are people doing good in the world who actually have uh, not only the experience, but the knowledge, the know-how, and the wisdom to carry a message going forward on how we reconnect to nature and how we reconnect to ourselves. So I'm going to leave it there. There are many ways you can support this podcast. Uh, Supporting our sponsors is a big one. Also leaving us a five-star review and one or two ways the show has helped you out in life that will help other people get a glimpse at this show as well. But check out our sponsors today. We are doing an awesome deal from my, my brothers and friends at Sovereignty. Sovereignty is making the single greatest, my favorite nootropic ever made. And it's also a, an energy drink. So that's kind of a weird thing because I'm not into energy drinks. I'm not really into energy supplements or pharmaceuticals anymore either, because this one has taken the cake. And many of you have heard me talk about modafinil and the benefits, the pros and cons, but really I think no matter what the substance is, whether it's too much caffeine, whether it's modafinil, whether it's Adderall for that matter, which I've never been a big fan of. All of these things have a tendency to jack us up and they bring us out of resonance. So what that means on a physiological level is that they they hamper our HRV and heart rate variability is very important. It's something that as our HRV goes up, we tend to be in a more meditative state. And one of the core issues that's going on on the planet is we have this programming of doing, 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 and getting shit done. And that doesn't really allow us to push pause and take a break. But Sovereignty's product purpose 
will not only give you energy and allow you to think more clearly and get the most out of your brain, it's actually going to increase HRV at the same time. And that's just, this is what makes it a novel product. This is what makes it better than anything I've ever taken before. And it includes things like CGN, which is an amazing cannabinoid that is shown to help cognitive function, as well as many other adaptogenic herbs. Really, these guys have a product that they stand behind like no one else. So they're calling it your favorite money back guarantee. What they're going to do is give you 100% of your money back in addition to buying you your favorite supplement if you don't like their product. That's how much these guys stand by it. You can check it out at HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y dot C-O slash Kyle and grab your favorite CGN. That's Sovereignty.co slash Kyle. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes so you can one-click it. Make sure you're doing the slash Kyle. That way I get credit. And these guys know this podcast is actually what's driving traffic towards their product. Once again, you will not be disappointed. We are also brought to you by... Lucy. Lucy is making another phenomenal product, which I absolutely love. Many of you heard me talk about the benefits of nicotine. Nicotine fits into acetylcholine receptors within the brain, and that is the basis for almost all nootropics. Uh, That's why a comedian or an author will smoke to generally jog the brain. But as we know, smoking is shit for your health, and it is certainly not good in times like these. So how do we get nicotine in a clean and effective way? These guys are doing it a couple of different ways. They've created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that has three different flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate, as well as a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine and cherry ice flavor. These products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, even in the gym. Of course, I'm, uh, I'm chewing these and then throwing them in the side of my mouth when I have podcasts. And they're doing a phenomenal, phenomenal deal for you guys. 20% off your entire order is applicable if you go to lucy.co and use promo code KKP at checkout. That is L-U-C-Y dot C-O and use promo code KKP at checkout. Specifically for my listeners, lucy.co, promo code KKP, 20% off everything. And this will not let you down. It is a phenomenal product. We're also brought to you today by Sports Betting Dime. And Sports Betting Dime is your source for the latest odds, betting trends, and matchup analysis. Sportsbettingdime.com provides you the coverage that fans need to bet with confidence every time. Follow along for breaking news and explore tools that make it easy to find the biggest money makers and the best odds. Whether you're new to the game or a seasoned betting expert, sportsbettingdime.com can help you make the right picks at the right price. Their future trackers cover every major league and more so you always know who has the best shot of taking home the title. You can go beyond wins and losses with betting records that reveal every team's investment potential. Get an edge on the house with matchup pages, including AI-powered score predictions and real-time odds comparisons from top sports books. Whenever you want to get in the game, sportsbettingdime.com has the action covered from every angle. Many of you just watched UFC 253, which was incredible. Adesanya, of course, uh, knocked out Paulo Costa. And, uh, you know, it's it's... It's funny because I, I didn't think it was going to go that way. I wasn't too impressed with Adesanya in his last fight against Romero, but that is the nature of sport. Let's let's actually see what's going to happen. And of course, these guys called it and uh, they have another big fight. There's another huge UFC coming up with my man, my old teammate, Habib Nurmagomedov, and he's going to be fighting Justin Gaethje in the light lightweight title. So that's coming up October 24th, and there's plenty of action with the NFL and everything else going on in between. Sportsbettingdime.com will get you right and ready for all your betting needs. Last but not least, we are brought to you by my friends at One Farm. One Farm makes the cleanest, best USDA certified organic CBD products on the planet. 
They have a single origin farm out in Colorado. As I mentioned, 100% USDA certified organic, and they do 100% CO2 extraction, which leaves you nothing but the best. Full spectrum cannabinoids, which means you get every cannabinoid, terpene, and alkaloid found in this wonderful plant that nature has gifted us. It's great for helping you with sleep, anxiety, inflammation, and a number of other issues, and, and truly just one of nature's gifts to man. They also have a number of other products, which ladies and men can use, like night serums, facial creams. Uh, CBD lip balms and all sorts of goodies all over at onefarm.com. And if you go to onefarm.com slash Kyle, you're going to get 15% off everything. That's onefarm.com slash Kyle. Thanks you guys for tuning in. Here's my dude, Troy Casey. Certified health nut, Troy Casey, you are on the show. Uh, I have been following you for a minute now, not, not quite as long as I, as I would have liked to. And it's funny because, um, I think you, correct me if I'm wrong, emerged really on the scene publicly through YouTube. And, um, and, and that's where I, you know, first learned about Paul Check, you know, one of our, our uh, mentors and guides on this planet. And um, it's just an interesting time now with, uh, you know, some of the conversations that need to happen and um, <laughs> the censorship that YouTube is, is, is pulling off right now. So it's just, that uh, I'm curious, you know, I don't even want to start, I guess we're starting with the ending. I definitely want to get to your background and follow the <laughs> loop of all podcasts that I, that I have, but um, it's, it's interesting. Do you find, I mean, I, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I don't have a big YouTube following. I, I built the podcast first and we kind of went on YouTube second. Um, what are your thoughts on, on, <laughs> On censorship in general. I mean, I, I, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the documentaries that are going around from uh, indoctrination to uh, the creepy line, which is all about Google. Um, and I'll, I'll link to those in the show notes, because again, I'm just releasing this on the podcast. I'm not worried about losing a YouTube account, but um, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts here? Because, and, and I bring this up because I do want to say this. I mean, by the time this comes out, we will have just had Mickey Willis on, who is the film producer, mm-hmm. producer of uh, Plandemic as well as Plandemic Indoctrination. And, you know, there is, there is a narrative, and I'm sure, even though this podcast is happening before Mickey's, I'm sure um, one of the things that's rubbing people the wrong way as this truth, as truths are told, is that... Um, it's more in the, even though we're mentioning, hey, don't be afraid. You can't live in fear. Fear is when you surrender your authority. Um, it's still told through a narrative of terror. Like, this is what you're up against. Here you go. And it's like an oh shit moment, right? But that's not your narrative. It's not the narrative being ripped at 50. It's not the narrative um, as you talk about frequencies and a lot of stuff that I want to get into. And you're certainly nobody's victim. You know, you're you're out here to save the world, as you say. And uh, and I'm I'm all I'm all in, brother. I'm all in. So I mean, um, I mean, as we learn things like this for ourselves, and you've known this for a while. I definitely want to get into that. But um, you you really remain steady in your presence. Is is that the approach? I guess. I mean, I'm kind of giving you the answer. But my thoughts are, as I ask that question, are is your approach in remaining. Uh, on YouTube and some of these bigger platforms because you don't want to lose them. I mean, I talked with JP mm-hmm. Sears. He doesn't want to lose his platforms either. Mm-hmm. Um, is it just simply to to share the light and share the way that we remain in peace? Or, or I mean, what what is the balance? I'm looking for, this is a personal question. I mean, it's personal, well beyond uh, what the listener experiences. This is for me just as much as it is for the listener. 
Well, you know, Kyle, I think a lot of my learning has come by trial, trial by fire. And so um, I've learned a lot. I, I got attacked for white privilege and, and racism since the race baiting race riot started. Um, I stood up for health freedom, medical freedom early on. And people were like, sit down. What do you know, there's a pandemic going on. And, and then next, the following week, the race riot started. And then the subsequent white privilege and, you know, shouting at people and all that stuff, which we find ourselves in now. But I've been censored since day one, shadow banned, censored, because I've been speaking out about vaccine injury. I've been um, um, speaking out about uh, natural herbs. I worked in the Amazon um, with an herbal company, and I did a lot of research on the plants and started drinking ayahuasca early on and had some incredible eye-opening visions and awakenings. And I realized that our industry and the way we're set up is destroying the planet, especially the Amazon, because everyone knows the destruction of the Amazon, but they didn't know the politics and what was actually happening down there. Uh, Ecuador is number five producer of oil and uh, Peru is number six. And so most of the deforestation that's happening down there is with the big barges and the equipment that goes in and cuts the roads. And then the, the team of engineers can go in and it uh, dig for the oil, see if it's available, see if there's some reserves there. And if it's not, they just leave those roads uh, um, at, at, in their wake. And those roads are basically the cancer of the Amazon. From there, the lumber companies can give the indigenous people or the inhabitants down there a dollar a day and a chainsaw to go fell the big trees. Once the big trees come out, you see them coming down all the tributaries, all the down the Amazon, big barges, you get into Iquitos, there's mountains of sawdust. And so I come out of the jungle, flipped on with ayahuasca, and I'm just like, all right, what can I do? And I come out, and YouTube is a brand new reality. So early on, there wasn't a lot of censorship. There was no advertising for many years. And I started putting information out there, and people were like, do you have any scientific proof? You know, we've got herbs that uh, flush bile secretion through the liver. They get uh, ACTH and cortisol out of the blood. I mean, magical herbs, you know, unia de gato is world renowned. That's anti-cancer, antiviral, uh, et cetera. And so I just started putting that information out there and I, I instantly got the flack back about scientific proof and all this medical industry template that's installed into our consciousness. If you're sick, uh, go see a medical doctor and then they give you toxic compounds, pharmaceutical drugs with side effects. Side effects is, uh, is a marketing term. They're toxic effects on the human body. And so I know this because all the cofactors in the plants and the uh, 42% of all drugs and 25% of all cancer drugs get their impetus from rainforest plants. And so uh, what they do is they try and extract that one piece of medicine. And a lot of plants don't cooperate like, for example, Sangre de Drago, they were trying to make it into an antiviral herpes drug. They spent $89 million uh, trying to create that. And they isolated the one compound and it became, um, it was deadly, basically, and they couldn't use it. So they scrapped all that research, but there was tons of phytochemical uh, research. And that's just one plant down there. And so... Um, and again, the programming is around. If you're sick, go see a medical doctor. If you're asymptomatic, you're healthy. And then if you're overweight, go see a fitness trainer. Um, and as you well know, a lot of the fitness trainers are on steroids. They don't tell you about that part of their nutrition program. And, <laughs> and so, 
But there's just mass confusion around there. When I got on YouTube, it was the young guys on steroids not talking about that and just saying, buy my program. And then the vegans were like, this is the utopian diet. And I had gotten sick <laughs> off the vegan diet. Uh, and so uh, that was pretty much it in the beginning of YouTube for health or fitness guys. And then that's how I found Paul Check. He stuck out like a sore thumb. And uh and so, so it's the conditioning of the mind, and uh, I believe that we're dealing with the battleground of the human mind right now, and it's a meme war, ultimately. And so, I have been censored, shadow banned, you know, early on. My, I, I have some popularity, and I definitely, whoever's following me, I've got incredible engagement. Uh, but as far as the numbers, um, I mean, it's been challenging to get my numbers up there because I do believe my content uh, is so controversial with the current systems that we have. And so I'm happy that everybody's getting censored. Mickey Willis is a friend of mine. JP Sears is a friend of mine. Um, and it's powerful that they're, that they're getting uh, censored because now we can all come together on what's right. And ultimately, uh, the United States of America has the Constitution, and we don't need the Constitution, but it's actually written. And so free speech is at the cornerstone of that. What, whether you like communism or uh, Louis Farrakhan, it doesn't matter, but we have free speech in this country. And I will defend that you know, to, to my death for that, for anybody to say whatever they want. And so because words are a lot different than uh, actual violence and action. So uh, it's great. I think the final battleground will be fought, you know, in the mind of humans. And that's the game I'm playing. I'm using the Kardashian playlist. I'm using the, the Gucci Mane, you know, uh, uh, playbook. You know, I, I, I'm using the popular culture and some coyote medicine. And I did stand up comedy for a while. So I'm twisting the panties of everyone on all concepts. Like who and what are we? And so, uh, I like to press the envelope and yeah, the censorship is gnarly. Just look what's happening on Twitter. And, uh, and I just think it's all f f full steam ahead and I'm willing to play the game um, at a much higher level and subjugate the subversive programming coming out of it's just corp corporations and it's just business. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's literally business. And if you're a multinational conglomerate, then you've scooped up the media channels and you've, you know, you're part of the pharmaceutical companies. You're invested in weapons, you're invested in oil, and these things are keeping everything down. So everything for me is on the chopping block and we can question reality on every single level. And so I'm grateful to be an American. I'm grateful for YouTube. I'm grateful for these social media platforms because all roads lead to peace on earth. I've seen the vision multiple times and we make it. And the quantum leap is what's happening right now. And we just got started. I think coronavirus before September 11th, cause that's today, uh, was a warm up, you know, and, uh, and I think they're, they're losing a little bit of gas. And uh, so I'm just like, I, I'm super happy. And it's connecting all of us as well. Uh, so all the negativity uh, is, is, uh, is, is guiding us into the positivity because eventually we're going to unify. <laughs> That's a fucking hell of an answer, brother. I love it. We're jumping right in here. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if we should rewind to the beginning here. I, what I'm going to do is I will link to your podcast with Paul Check because you do talk on the Living 40 podcast a bit more on, you know, um, 
starting off as a model and getting in through that career and all the ups and downs, highs and lows, drug and alcohol addiction, that mirrored quite a bit of me. I wasn't a model. Um, uh, definitely would call myself handsome, but you know, out, out of that aside, you know, I think we're, we who find plants are searching for that. We're searching mm-hmm. for that out of body union with God, and we will grab anything that's available to do that. And I mean, we've touched on those things. You mentioned in your book, you touch on that experience on heroic doses of ecstasy or MDMA. You touch on those experiences at different points, but they all have a drawback, right? We have the side effects. We have the lull that comes after that experience. That's not experienced with the plants, at least not in my opinion. Uh, however challenging the experience might be, there is a lift that follows. There is something that lies in the wake that leaves you more whole than when you started. And, um, I, that, that's something that really stuck out to me. I do want to rewind just a little bit as you come out of, this is something I want to pick your brain on because, you know, I've, I've heard people talk about Vipassana before, but I never really understood it in the way that you describe it in your book is that, um, you know, as you started to get clean and you would relapse and you'd go back and you're going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, you know, and I've, I've been in those meetings since I was three years old. Um, I've seen the pros and cons. I've seen it work for some people. I've seen, uh, you know, Ramdas put it this way and becoming nobody. Um, what's the term in Hinduism where you, where you get rid of every renunciation, all renunciation did for him was make him a horny celibate. Right. So, so, I mean, if you're not really digging up the stuff to see what's there um, I see a lot of people who have given up alcohol in exchange for every other fucking addiction known to man. And maybe that's a net positive, but it's still not necessarily digging deeper. Mention the path that you took in Vipassana and what that did for you and some of the differences between Vipassana and other types of meditation, because I think this is really a draw. Uh, I think we have a mutual friend, Aaron Alexander, was mm-hmm. telling me about his experience in Vipassana. And I was like, I'm, I'm fucking in, but I want to know more. And I want the listeners to know more because this seems like a, you know, one Avenue that can really mm-hmm. crack people open. Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately Vipassana is insight meditation. It was developed by the Buddha who discovered that. And he just sat under the tree and I, he said, I'm going to be realized. Um, by the time I get up and, and he did that. And then it was taught from teacher to student because it went dormant and it stayed in Burma for about 2000 years until SN Goenka got his teachings. And then I did the math in one of his books. I think he sat like 15 years in meditation with all the courses because the courses were all listed in the back of this book. And, uh, he sat about 15 years of his life. And since he got his teachings in 1969, uh, there's over, last time I checked, there was about 150 centers worldwide, donation basis. Uh, I sat 11 courses. And if you look at neuroplasticity, Joe Rogan had a guy on there. I think it was like worse. Andrew treatment. Huberman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's my boy. Dude, that guy. Oh my God. So powerful. I mean, he, he was in prison. He was wronged. He was raped. He was on death row. Oh. Different guy. <laughs> okay, but keep going. Keep maybe maybe the name will come to you. It wasn't Andrew Huberman. <laughs> yeah, it was only a thirty-eight minute podcast. I mean, the guy was—you could still see he had a lot of prison and angst in him. But whatever he had done, and the scientist had studied him, and the neuroplasticity, the meditation worked. Like he had freed his 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 mind. So the science is there. It caught up with the rishis and the. The Buddhas of the world, and Paul Cech's talked about this, it's, it's all catching up now. And I think uh, S.N. Goenka, who was my meditation teacher, he talked about uh, in Berkeley, they discovered that the um, 
the uh, the molecular atomic structure is vibrating at uh, twenty. What is it? Twenty three zeros. So we're vibrating at a super high rate, and the Buddha discovered that. And so insight meditation is first paying attention to the breath coming in and out of the nose to sharpen the mind. After three days of that, you go into the sensations of your body. So I can feel the headphones on me. I can feel the shirt on me. I can feel the air um, where my 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 skin is exposed. Uh, I have shorts on, and so. Um, your mind is in contact with the sensations of the body 24-7, whether you realize it or not. A mosquito bites you at night. You scratch it. You swat it. You're still asleep. You're asleep. The alarm clock tickles the, the, uh, the, the hairs in your ears, and it awakens you up. So you're never, ever asleep. And it just depends on how much you can be in contact with that. And then if you look into emotions and all that stuff, a lot of times we bury it. And so the Vipassana goes back, and it rewires the brain. It rewires the nervous system. And I had a lot of trauma. Uh, as a kid. And so six years of that, 11 courses, which is about 110 days in silence. And I was practicing two hours a day. So it took a a large charge uh, out of my nervous system. Um, I talked with my friend, the real Rudy Reyes. You know, he was abused as a kid. He's a killer. He's a Marine recon. And I always thought that it was just my street smarts or whatever. But when somebody was trying to get at me, uh, or being subversive or sidewinding, I would be so reactive and be like, motherfucker, you know, and put them in their place. And at first, I just thought that was street smarts. And then I thought, oh, Troy, why are you being such an asshole? But Rudy explained it. That's fucking threat assessment. And when you're in a traumatic situation, and I did research when my children were born, my parents were fighting physically in the womb. Um, My father was in orphanages, so he had a lot of trauma as well. So that was all instilled in my nervous system. And now that I realize, you know, I'm just extremely uh, empathic. I can feel, you know, people's energy and that that thing, that threat assessment, like who's dangerous in this room? Um, And so I had to calm a lot of that with my nervous system. And I'm still working on that at 54 years old. Uh, because I don't want to transfer this on to my wife and my kids and, and even, you know, out in the public. And I got to keep my calm. And when people are telling me to put on a mask and, you know, I've had trauma, you don't want to muzzle me, right? <clears throat> if, if you muzzle me, I mean, that's one of my big things when people shut me down or shut me off. And, you know, that's my own trauma that I got to deal with. So people think that the masks is all virtuous and this and that. Well, I mean, you're going to have a very dangerous person on your hand if you try and, and muzzle me. And so it's best if you just give me my health exemption and, and don't try and don't tread on me, you know, ultimately. And there's no mandates that supersede the Constitution of the United States of America. So anyways, we got sideways on that. But the, the, the Vipassana heals the nervous system, neuroplasticity. It rewires the brain so you can be calm in the face of what is, which that is the highest form of spirituality, being present with what is and then having some form of neutrality in there. That's going to be ultimately mastery. Uh, when you can be uh, completely neutral. And my mentor, one of my mentors, I work with the Maori healers for 25 years. And these are fierce warriors, which make, look, the best warriors make the best healers. Why? Because they know where your weak points are. Am I right or am I right, Kyle? Oh, yeah, 100%. Because you're, 
you're a fighter, right? And you're a very sensitive guy. So, so you, you know, and I see this with Crone Gracie as well. You know, he's just got that centeredness and he's, and I, and I have friends, uh, you know, that work with him and they've done healing work with him. He's very in tune. And so savage and saint, baby. And so ride that razor's edge, which, which is what all the, you know, ancient sages have said, you know, walk the middle path, stay balanced. And so, Vipassana helps you do that. You go from a, a, a level of reactivity and then you want to talk about addiction. We are addicted to the polypeptides, the chemicals that are inside of our body. I think what the bleep covered this extensively. We react to those polypeptides. We either crave them or we have an aversion towards them. And that's the way we go on in life. Uh, aversion, craving, aversion, craving. So the more neutral you can become in the face of all that, uh, the more balanced that you can become. And this is ultimately a, a lifelong um, uh, process. Uh, and again, the Vipassana is extremely powerful healing medicine. And I've uh, offered it to many people over the years. And because 10 days is so foreign to our money-making potential and our slave way, debt slave system, fiat currencies, people don't have 10 days to give themselves. So, and meditation is really hard to promote. So that's why I promote movement meditation with, with Qigong. I do like psychedelics, but we need to talk about psychedelics because people are handing them out like candy and then, and then they're not doing the work. Psychedelics are 30 to 50% of the work. Once you get the phone call, you don't stay on the phone or the, you know, the message. It's like you hang up the phone and do something with the message. And so, um, so I think we have to be responsible, uh, especially with those powerful, uh, medicines. I think that needs to be talked about in, in today's world because, uh, that isn't the solution. It's a tool and it's a key. Um, and it's a major solution, but it's not, uh, it's only 50% of the work. So, uh, hypnosis, psychedelics, uh, prayer and incantation, meditation. This is how to heal, uh, the mental and emotional, which all leads to the spiritual. And so, uh, again, we're, we're trapped in that limbic system of doing things the way we've always done. And then of course the definition of addiction, or what is that uh, doing? What is Tony Robbins talks about that doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome, right? That, that yeah, that's Einstein, uh, the definition of insanity is doing something the same way and, and, uh, and thinking it'll be different. That is a butchering of it. So my, my apologies, but <laughs> Me yeah, too. You, you, and I think Chuck says one too, which is uh, perhaps also maybe Einstein, maybe not, who knows, but um, you, if you try to solve a problem, with the same thinking that got you there, uh, you you won't be able to get you won't be able to get the solution. And, also and, 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 and uh, yeah, you can't solve you can't solve a problem at the same level of mind that created. That's Albert Einstein. I, and I use that a lot because my end goal after coming out of the Amazon, I had to figure stuff out. All right, how are we going to actually save the rainforest if we're so threatened in the sixth biggest extinction on the planet? And the Amazon is the key to biodiversity. I was like, all right, how do we make a difference? And, you know, uh, <laughs> and then I realized all the systems that are in place and oil and money 
As far as I can see, I read John Perkins' Confessions of an Economic Hitman. As far as I can see, the petrodollar and our oil exploration, and let's face it, the Rockefellers and Standard Oil, they worked to monopolize everything. If people crossed John D. Rockefeller, he, he would buy up the railroads, he would buy up the shipping lanes, he would buy up the, the warehousing, and he would annihilate people. Well, they started the American Medical Association. So let's have a really good look at that as far as monopolies go. And then, and then the, the Rockefeller uh, Trust funds all the university research bias. It's, not, it's research bias because they're just collecting data, skewing it, and saying whatever that they want. And so this is kind of the world that, that has been set up. Not bad or good. Love flying in planes. Love driving, driving fast cars. Uh, I enjoy you know, the internal combustion engine. I have benefited from that. Okay, but there's 8 billion people on the planet. Can we optimize? Can we use our human ingenuity? No different from the Wright brothers wanting to fly like an eagle, using the laws of alchemy, which is what all the learned people before the industrial age school system uh, uh, learned was alchemy, love, truth, and wisdom, uh, thought, word, action, manifest in the flesh, and using the frequency well, you program the mind by the heart. Not everybody programs the mind by the heart. And once the mind is programmed, you can cut through the fabric of reality and create uh, mind over matter or something in the hand if, if you have an idea in the mind. So anything that's not nature in our world was created out of the mind of man first. So if that's the case, all right, how can we design the future and what things need upgrading? Well, clearly the debt slave fiat currency system, the way it's set up, and they've been funding both sides of the war since Napoleon. All right, let's start to see this. And then let's start to see who owns the media channels and who owns the universities and who's funding the research and everything. Oh, this story and this narrative is all, um, it's monopolized. Okay. All right. And then social media pops up. So is YouTube censorship? You know, yes, it is. But the fact of the matter is God has presented this for us to awaken humanity and YouTube and social media is waking up so much people. And then the government is con contributing to it, government or, or let's just say uh, uh, corporate controlled elements uh, is pushing all this negativity. How do you wake up a human? It's the same thing with putting the concrete over the, over the earth. The shoots of grass are going to come up. You oppress the shit out of a human being. Wake up, baby! And we're here now! <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot. All right, I, I'm taking notes here. Um, confessions of an economic hitman i will link to in the show notes and i'm definitely going to check that i heard you mention it on paul's podcast i want to dive into that you mentioned something from what the bleep and um and you know i've 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 been following dr joe Dispenza. it's something that he talks about even in his guided meditations is that we're not just addicted to things right like people can understand or wrap their head around alcohol cigarettes whatever you know the the, the main cast of characters when we start to talk about shopping addiction or tv addiction or porn addiction you know it's 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 a hard thing to admit to because inherently as, as jung says anything that's in our shadow is not in our purview we cannot recognize our own shadow as anahata says who was just on this podcast I cannot see anything that's in my blind spot. I don't even know it exists, right? But as I grow in awareness, my blind spot will get smaller and smaller as I do the shadow work and, and look into these things. Taking it a step further, as, as um, Lipton and Dispenza talk about, like we are, we are addicted to the feelings. 
we have. We are addicted to anger. We are addicted to fear. We are addicted to victimhood. We're addicted to all of these feelings because they have a neurochemical response that does switch us on in a way. Now, it doesn't tune us in the way meditation or psychedelics do. But it does feel good to be fucking lit on fire. Like if you've anybody who's ever had a hard workout or done, uh, you know, even a street fight for that matter, and perhaps a street fight, you're, I'm not encouraging this, but perhaps you're more scared than you are in flow. But anytime you've reached flow where your ass is on the line, and Jamie Wheel talks about this with Stephen Kotler in, in um, Stealing Fire, the more you put your ass on the line, turns out, the greater the prerequisite of flow becomes like you can't be when Laird Hamilton's on a 50 foot wave and he gets towed in, he's not thinking about what his wife and kids are going to do for the day. He's not thinking about, you know, the business deal he's got with Laird's superfood. He's, he's right there. He's completely in the moment. And because his ass is on the line and life and death are present, he really has to fucking dial it in. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do we enter those flow states? Then that becomes addictive. And one of the things they point out is that these aren't adrenaline junkies. They are flow junkies. They are quieting the mind junkies and they're looking to get that through activity. And there's an easier way to do that as well. through as you talk about with Qigong and different movement practices that also bring us into flow while they're calming and we don't have to risk our lives to get into those states. But I just want to point that out. It's, it's, um, that was something that was a hard pill to swallow. And we're talking about a lot of shit right now that are hard pills to swallow. It's a hard pill to swallow to say, uh, you know, what, what Lipton mentioned, when we're programmable from, you know, third, third trimester through the first seven years of our life, what is one of the first powers we surrender? We surrender our power of health. Why? Because any time you get sick, you are to take a medicine or to see a guy in a white lab coat. And that's the great guy. It's not the do. It's not, you know, the shaman that's going to sing it away. It's not the herbs and the plants of nature. And that is, as it turns out, systematically been taken away from us, right? Mm -hmm. Through the American Medical Association, through the way doctors are taught. And you can go steps further and look at the Rockefellers as as all of these things are pointed out in indoctrination so beautifully. But those are really big fucking chunks. And I just want people to, to slow down just enough to say, as we analyze ourselves and we look into that, where are our addictions? Where are the things that we gravitate towards? And I'm speaking, you know, as you do, 100% uh, from personal experience with this. You know, I've, I would, I've lived on modafinil when Bear was born. I was pe- drinking a half a pot of coffee. It's not the same as cocaine, but it's, it is the fucking exact same thing. It's me chasing the dragon. It's me trying to push through everything and not slow down. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because as we talk about the narrative of what's going on in the world, what is this last stand for personal freedom and, and control? It really does all roads point back to what is the end product we want to create? What is that end product? How do I, how do I want to have a world of peace if I'm not at peace with myself? Right? So, and it all starts within. How do I crunch these things and slow down just enough to witness? Oh, am I, I'm, I'm a little bit off center right now. I'm a little bit jacked up. You know, I, from various thing to various thing and all of that motion, the momentum of forward pushing that has prevented me from slowing down just enough to feel actually what's going on in my body through caffeine, drugs, alcohol, you name it. But really, it's the small stuff that's socially acceptable that we overlook. 
It's a highly caffeinated culture. It's a doing culture. Amika Swani, who is on Czech's podcast, talks about that. The Western narrative of do, 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 as opposed to do, be, do, be, do. Singing a different song that includes moments of presence, moments of pause, moments of slowing the vehicle down just enough to catch our center again and know where our home is inside. And I think there, everything that you're talking about, it resonates strongly. And at the same time, I want people to know, you know, with whatever we're up against, it all comes back to our own personal sovereignty and our own personal responsibility to live as well-beings that are connected to all relations, that are connected to source or whatever that higher power looks like for you. And I think you're really doing a great job of, of explaining that because I'm not getting this doomsday stuff from you in any of your videos. I'm not getting, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it, look, there's no doubt the odds are stacked. But at the same time, as you mentioned, it is the pressure that's going to cause us to awaken. It is the stressor that's going to cause us to shift. If everything went along like normal and there was no 2020, it's business as usual. It's right. I'm going to climb the, so, the corporate ladder and make more money and buy the new car and do all this X, Y, and Z and still not wind up happy. So I think that's that's uh, my rant to try to try to encapsulate, I think, what you're talking about. Hopefully I didn't butcher any of that, but um you know, you, what are, what are some of the other resources that helped you to awaken in terms of, you know, outside of, uh, and I definitely want to talk ayahuasca here because it, I think that leads beautifully into your pillars and into ripped at 50, but what were some of the resources outside of confessions of an economic hitman that really switched you on to, okay, this is actually what the opposition looks like. If there is an opposition, perhaps that's the wrong thinking and utilizing that word as well. But as a catalyst yeah. or stressor. Yeah, ultimately, I, my philosophy is we're all one or none. And so um, these, you know, the yin yang, bad or good, I think the, the bad is just going to awaken the good, you know, the, 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 the shadow and the light. We're going to have balance. But let me back up here. Ultimately, all knowledge is knowledge of self. And so, and at the cornerstone, at least in my research, all human beings want peace. I have a philosophy that I do believe that altruism exists in all human beings. And I do know the psychological statistics that 6% of the population can be a psychopath. And a definition of a psychopath is one who relishes in the pain of others. And so, so we go back up, all knowledge is knowledge of self. So you know, what I always prescribe and recommend people do is that they get naked literally and figuratively in front of the mirror. Who am I and where do I want to go? And look at your body, look at your face, look at your eyes. You know, can you tell yourself that you love yourself? And so, uh, because everyone's talking about love and kindness and everybody just needs to be kind. Well, how kind are you to yourself? You know, look no further than the mirror, you know? Uh, and you can only uh, give what you have for yourself. And so my message to people is, um, you know, heal yourself first and foremost. Take care of yourself first and foremost so you're present and available for your family, for others, and for the world. And so, um, you know, all roads lead back to the mirror and nobody's a victim. We're all victory in the light and we're just all awakening. So those polypeptides and the chemicals that we have going through our body is extremely powerful. 
You know, look what's happening with this whole toxic masculinity and it's not okay to be a man. Hey, newsflash, motherfuckers. Men have 10 times the testosterone of a female. And we are domesticated. We, we are in thermoregulated, uh, thermoregulated houses. So our thermoregulatory system is, is not regulating our own cold and hot. We used to, we used to not have um, running hot water. And so um, uh, we've been, we're in four walls. You know, nature doesn't have corners. And so uh, this, what does this do to the mind? We're sitting down. It's shutting down our hip flexors. It's turning off our glutes. Um, the inflammatory agents that we're shoveling into our, our mouth, we're poisoning ourselves. This is blowing open our abdominal wall and our guts. This is, uh, doing the, the, the anterior pelvic tilt. And so, and then what do we have? We have, uh, um, an orthopedic calamity all over the planet. And so let's reverse that. Let's stop. Let's not play the victim. Let's look in that mirror. Who do you want to be? No, you're not fat because of your genetics. The food's been poisoned. So look, primal man or man and your chemicals and who you are is designed to know what's on the horizon to eat and what could potentially eat him or the family. Right. And right now, all that stuff is subversive and unconscious because it's all scientifically validated. The EPA and the FDA approves all this stuff. But lo and behold, if you look into lobbyists and you look into actually the way of the world and how things are run, no business runs supreme. And so and basically you can you can make it legal and you can scientifically justify. So all these ideas around science and all this stuff, this is really uh this is just, you know, manipulation. And let me go back to science because science is uh, the methodology of ep- observation and w- which is ever evolving. We didn't have the Hubble telescope or the electron microscope, you know, back years ago. And so we're always developing. We didn't know what the gut microbiome was. Uh, I postulate that fascia will become the new gut microbiome coming forward. And so these are all like new discoveries. But lo and behold, again, the ancient people knew, you know, some form of this or at least how to take care of the human body. And we've been disconnected from nature, disconnected from our own divinity. We've been uh, disempowered. And I do believe this is by design to wake us up into the quantum leap so that we have this awakening and we roll into what I call homo luminous, where we all have the consciousness of Christ. The second coming of Christ is when we all rise up to that base level. The quantum leap, coming out of this quantum leap, what's going to happen is we're going to have the same level of open-hearted gratitude for everything that's here and align into the all one or none as we come through the quantum leap. And a lot of people are going to need the ayahuasca hospitals. They're going to need the nature hospitals uh, to get us away from all this dysfunction. So that's what's coming down the pipeline. No bad or good. These are all catalysts and spiritual fodder for our own awakening is my postulation. Otherwise, we're just a bunch of victims. And I know completely different that we are the victory in the light. We are what we're searching for. Something something that's been coming up to me, and, and if we haven't been weird enough, this is really going <laughs> to stretch people. So I definitely I want to I want to take it a little weirder because you did touch on this just a moment ago. There's been a lot of talk, uh, whether it be the Hopi prophecy 
or different prophecies that that talk about this. Zach, Zach Bush just touched on it, and um, you know, due to the nature of a Zoom call rather than being face to face, I did not circle back to it. But he talked about the Earth and its inhabitants going from fourth dimensional consciousness into fifth dimensional consciousness. In the Hopi prophecy, they talk about the fourth stage of man moving into the fifth stage of man, and that those with he- their heads disconnected from their bodies, which represent the massives are on a trajectory to leave earth. I don't know if that means death. I don't know if that means being transported to another planet. I don't mean that they leave on Elon Musk's spaceship, but the, the fewer with heads connected to their body are connected to the earth and they walk on a straight line to usher in the next stage of humanity. Um, can you unpack some of that? And then I do want to get a little bit weirder when we talk about, you know, uh, perhaps you know more than I do on this, but I've just been been curious a lot to hear about, you know, something Greg, Greg Braden mentioned a while ago, the solar cycles and the fact that the sun might shoot a solar wad at us in, or in some time in the next 10 years, which also happens to flow into Christianity as well as Hinduism and many other ancient religions have talked about this as well. So maybe we can unpack some of that. Yeah, so as far as I know, my interpretation and understanding is all the prophecies, whether it's the Asian steppes or and Greg Braden talks about, a lot about this because I know he went to Asia a lot. And uh, whether it's the eagle and the condor prophecy or the Hopi prophecy, you know, there's an African prophecy that, the you know, the white man, the red man and the the the, the the yellow man and and the black man will come back around the fire. This is the time for that. John Perkins also talks about this. I think there's a great YouTube video from back in 2007 about the Eagle and the condor prophecy. And so, uh, and it's, like I said, Greg Braden aligns it with, with the Asian steps and, and, and the Hopi prophecies aligned with this. So all prophecies talk about these times. This is a great time of awakening. And so, and no one can deny that. I've actually been talking about the quantum leap in my workshops and lectures for years and years and years. And I started kind of doubting myself because it was like, all right, when's it going to come? And I went down to the Mayan temples. I went to the, uh, the, the Incan temples, saw these megalithic stones. And I was like, all right, okay, nothing can explain that we have in our scientific data um, that can prove this. And these stones, they didn't have the equipment that we have. And, the, and LACMA, the Los Angeles County uh, Museum of Art, they put this sculpture there and they put a gigantic stone and it's not as big as the stone at Saxa Woman or some of these other uh, huge massive temples that you can find on sacredsites.com. Massive megalithic stones that can't be explained. When they put the one at LACMA, they had two major cranes and they had all sorts of accidents and they had to get it from, uh, I think, Angel's Crest and bring it down there. And uh, and then it's put up as a big art thing, like it's fantastic. But hey, man, how about studying the Mayan temples and the Incan temples to the nth degree in school? And they don't, they, they don't teach that. So there has been some powerful energy, electrogravitics, zero-point technology. There has been some type of consciousness that has activated the pyramid energy before. And so you look at what's possible. That's my clarion call is what's possible. And, of course, the quantum physicists are talking about all possibilities, you know, multidimensional universe, 
you know, and getting back to uh, science, you know, the Greeks used to talk about gnosis, praxis, and telekis, to know, to do, to become, to to know, to be, to know, to do, to become an ever evolving phi ratio spiral into infinity. So we're just evolving and science is evolving. So before we get too static in our ideas, just the universe is constantly moving around. How fluid can we be in that? We're trying to put our square peg in a round hole and uh, get everyone to be able to chase paper at the same level and sit in a cubicle and shut down their hip flexors and, and eat all this scientifically validated food, but everybody's sick and tired. And, and then they shove pornography and television advertising and television programming down our throats. And then everyone's, I think uh, 99.9% of males are exposed to pornography uh, these days because of the internet. And so where's our minds? Where's it all wrapped up? It's wrapped up in this, all this goggly goop. And, and then we're, we're chasing paper unconsciously. And depending on your ability to chase paper uh, is your ability to self-manage yourself. And we're only managing our stress to the degree that we're, ma- we're only managing our addictions to the degree that we're managing our stress. And so if you don't know who you are and what you're doing, then anything will do. And eventually it'll rob your soul. And then you'll have a reaction and you'll either kill that with alcohol or drugs which is self-medication, socially accepted self-medication, or if you have an emotional outburst, guess what? You're bipolar, and we got drugs for that, too. Here's a newsflash, guys. Yin, yang, there's two forces on this planet guiding everything, so everyone is bipolar to the degree that they are managing their stress. So, There's just a lot going on, and no one's really talking about the fundamentals except for Paul and you guys, and there's a lot of people getting it and putting it together, but that's why I'm such a huge proponent of Paul and Joe Dispenza and, you know, Paul Check, Joe Dispenza, Greg Braden. You know, I like Reverend Michael Beckwith brings in the spiritual aspect of everything. He's incredible. A lot of these great movies. Yeah, Reverend Michael's awesome, and and he gave me an endorsement for my book, but I was on the show the other day, and they were talking about raising your vibrations uh, uh, beyond the mask and the virus and all this stuff, and then they started talking about politics, and I was just like, you know, the black woman in the White House, and they weren't talking about her character, right? The character. We're not – look. The definition of racism is uh, thinking another skin color is either inferior or superior. And so what? Just on the basis of a person's skin? And that's what we did with the Obama bait and switch, right? Black man in the White House. We've evolved, right? And I was all for that. I was like, really? Okay, hope and change. Yeah, I want change. Is this, is this our next guy? Is, is, is it? And then his geopolitical policies were the same as Bush's. I was like, oh, my God. You know, and then I thought Hillary was going to be a shoe in. And when that didn't happen, I was like, "Woo! the quantum leap that I've been praying for something different is happening. And so I don't know how it shakes out, but I'm observing. And then sure enough, 2020 rolls around. And I've been talking about the quantum leap after studying the Mayan calendar and the Incan temples and all this stuff. And I knew 2012 because I worked on a movie called Shift of the Ages and the Mayan high priest and the, all the interviews that were done with that. And he was saying, look, this is just a, a window that we're going through. But the, 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 that's like the new year. But 
But the opening, you know, the big shifts might not happen until later on. And I truly felt that because nothing really happened in 2012. But I could taste the quantum leap and the shift that was happening. 2015, 2016. What are you talking about, Troy? Quantum leap. We're never going to get off oil. We're never going to get off money. Why? Because what Einstein said, you can't solve a problem at the same level at mine that created it. So we're all thinking in our little box. You have to think outside of the box. And Michael Tellinger talked talks about this in a world beyond money and the Ubuntu movement, which means contributionism, which is what Greg Braden talks about with organisms that thrive and the laws of biomimicry. We have to cooperate. So that's what's on the chopping block right now, aligning as one and then building systems uh, 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 around that. And so, um, yeah, where was I going with that? But, 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 Fixing um, cash, quantum leap into the fifth stage of, of Christ consciousness, second coming is all. And, and, and most of the thought leaders out there, they don't want to have this conversation about oil and money. And I postulate that your gasoline usage is an act of genocidal racism. We want to talk about racism. No, it's all race baiting and bullshit for po- politics. Democrats don't give a fucking rat's ass about black people. And so and that's all provable. Just look at what's happened, you know, since this, uh, you know, whole uh, democratic movement or since the civil rights and stuff. Look at the statistics. Uh, Candace Owen has great, you know, statistics on that. So we've got to call a spade a spade and say, you know, all right, what are we doing? And oil and money, because of the systems that are set up, petrochemical byproducts are in our drugs. Petrochemical byproducts are what uh, glues the pesticides and herbicides to the crops. All these petrochemical byproducts are contaminating the earth. The pollution from burning these fossil fuels uh, is contaminating the earth. So not bad or good. I enjoy airplanes. I enjoy fast cars. I enjoy my lifestyle. It's just time to change. And, and humans have always evolved. And so what we're seeing is the quantum leap in consciousness. We have to design new systems of cooperation and connection. There's 8 billion people on the planet. I've heard since I've been here, the Native Americans, they don't like the white man being here. And these are sacred grounds and stuff. And I'm like, I understand that. However, everything's sacred on this planet, in my humble opinion. We are all divinity. We are all child of God. We have 8 billion people on the planet. Would you like to conceptualize your reality? Or would you like to be in reality and work in towards systems that are holistic, sustainable, attainable, and beneficial for all? So the things that I'm calling forth and I'm running for president of planet earth because everybody's panties are in a twist for Donald Trump. And so, and so I'm going to ride on the coattails of this whole circus, which I've observed for the last 54 years of my life. And so my postulation is my solutions are free energy, gift economy, self-care education, and permaculture. Food is free. When we take care of ourselves, we automatically take care of our local environment and the world will be a better place. Uh, uh, gift economy, again, the Ubuntu movement, uh, contributionism, uh, uh, world beyond money, Michael Tellinger. But the futurists are talking about this because Peter Diamantis is already talking about a world beyond money. And he's not like a spiritual guy. He's just saying, hey, technology is going to replace this thing. And so coming back to agreements, like how do we want to operate? And I think they talked about Star Trek. Star Trek also didn't have uh, 
uh, money. And so the, so the concept is already in ma- the, the mind of man, and so is free energy because Nikola Tesla already invented it. Zero-point technology, cold fusion. The scientists were working on cold fusion in the 80s before they got the Rockefeller shebang, right? Because oil is what's dominated. So it's already in the idea of man. And again, the laws of alchemy, how the world works, whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. We can achieve mind over matter. We can create anything that the heart desires. And so we just want to fly like an eagle, just like the Wright brothers. You just put it in the mind and call it forth. You speak it into existence. Look, if Nassim Harriman and all these other guys that are working on uh, you know, free energy, and I hear a lot of hot gas, if he doesn't invent it, I'm going to. I'm going to tell my mind, I'm going to ask God to give me that information as it was given in Nikola Tesla. And I'm not an engineer, but I will figure it out if I have to. So my big thing is how can we get kumbaya around the fire with these big thought leaders and solve our fucking problems as men and women? <laughs> That's a mouthful. I love it. Um, yeah, let me, let me try to unpack that a little bit. Uh, one, one thing that I'll link to in the show notes is the first episode of Missing Links, uh, which is Greg Braden's, one of Greg Braden's show on Gaia TV, where he, you know, uh, oddly enough, I had to rewatch this just to be sure of it. I, I think the show was done in 2018 or 2017, but he talks about 2020 because of the solar cycle, planetary cycle, economic cycles, and the cosmic cycles being in a, in a huge state of conflict the entire year of 2020. And that being a, a very big catalyst for growth and that only those who can find their center will remain calm in the eye of the hurricane. Um, so I'll link to that in the show notes for people who want more on like, what is the validity behind solar cycles? What is the validity of this stuff? And the fact that he called it years ahead of time, I think is... You know, always in hind- yeah, always in hindsight, we're like, okay, maybe he was onto something that might have been a little bit more than I could chew, but makes sense now. A good buddy of mine, Cal Tierman, his parents, his his mom and his stepfather created a documentary called Thrive. Have you seen it? Yes. Okay, excellent documentary. Thrive Two is actually yes. coming out this month or next month. So I will. I heard that, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to link to this in the show notes. Uh, Kyle didn't give me any info on it. He hasn't seen it yet. Um, the first one for people who want to watch is it's a low tech documentary. Let me just say that. So when they're talking about vortices and the energy of the earth and you get to see, uh, you know, their rendition of that, it looks like somebody, you know, in, in a freshman year of college put it together. So I'm not going to say that let's not use that to rule it out, but how much money they put into the program, um, Thrive 2, I think, is going to be a bit higher production because Thrive 1 was successful. But that was my first introduction in actually seeing what zero-point technology was. I had heard some really uh, intelligent people, spiritual and otherwise, talking about this as a real thing, that it already does exist, and that, guess what? There are some powers that be that do not want that. They don't want the elimination of electricity. They don't want the elimination of, of oil technology, and Again, you don't have to go into New World Order to understand this. And I think that's something that Mickey Willis beautifully points out, that money can, greed can just be the thing that's driving this. Power might be the other part of this that gets a little sticky with eugenics and things like that, but we can all agree on money. And when he shows the statistics, Big Pharma pays more. Their number one, The number one lobbyist in this country is Big Pharma. They mm-hmm. pay more than number two, electric, and number three, big oil combined. So that should tell you why our food supply is a little fucked. That should tell you why maybe why we've been disconnected from natural healing remedies, food, all of that stuff, and why we have to turn to a doctor for everything. Uh, outside of that, 
when we look at number two and number three, number two and number three, electric and oil, that those are pretty big reasons to not allow zero point technology to come to fruition if it is available to us right now. And that might be the reason why all of Nikola Tesla's research was squashed, why it went up in flames and was hidden and taken away. And, and maybe why some of this knowledge that has been here before us with ancient Egypt and a lot of these things that are left unexplainable can be explained. It can't be explained at the university level because who funds the universities? There we go. It's And again, study the history of John D. Rockefeller. Guy was a badass motherfucker, and he didn't want anybody fucking with him, and he wanted to lock up all the channels for his own business and his own family. I mean, whatever. I mean, I, I can't fault the guy. He did a damn good job. <laughs> he, he, did a, he did a very good job. Amika Swanee talks about this in Quantum Spirituality, which is a book I've mentioned a number of times. Obviously, he was on he was on Chuck's podcast. I think I mentioned that before. But aside from the doobie-doobie-doo, he talks about these archetypical lessons that all souls are here to learn. And, and this, this goes well beyond what Jung's work was or Caroline Mace, who has great work with sacred contracts. Some of these uh, include abundance, power. And I was, oh, interesting. Power is, is a global archetype that humans are here to explore, that souls mm. are here to explore in human form. And he goes into it further. All of these archetypes have a light side and a shadow side. And when the abundance archetype is done in a self-serving fashion. That is, I will gain at the expense of others, right? I will gain wealth as a hoarder at the expense of others. When it is done in the light, my wealth will make others around me wealthier. That That's palatable for anybody. Power at the same time, when power is used at the expense of others, that would be the power archetype being used in the shadow form. And in the form of light, as I gain power and I gain the ability to influence, that power is shared with others. It is empowering right. for all those yeah. around me. Right? That's what I, I'm doing. But anyways, yeah. go ahead. Because I want to speak just, I was just going to finish the thought. It's basically just showing like, here's a physicist who has a PhD who is, who is naming these archetypes. And when power came up, I was like, you got to be shitting me. This isn't something we're here for. But and as he, he explained it further, I was like, of course, of course, we're here for that. And look no further than being, <laughs> being powerful or being powerless. Wherever we see ourselves in that, how do we use our own power to influence my own kingdom, my personal kingdom, which is me, Kyle Kingsbury, the kingdom of my family, the kingdom of my community and my tribe, the kingdom of this country that I'm in, the kingdom of the world itself, because all of this eventually is self and the cosmos beyond. It's all one. And my viewpoint of that, as I stretch that further and further, actually can encapsulate those things. What am I giving? What am I in service of? And and done in a way that still fills my cup as well. It's not the martyr. It's not the, you know, as, as Chuck talked about on, on the podcast with you, it's not at the expense of self. It is inclusive, right? It is inclusive of self that my abundance is not given out to everybody until I have nothing left. It is given out with me included. And the power that I have is given out through knowledge, through truth, through awakening, through tools that help us. And I, and I want to get to these tools that you mentioned so beautifully in your book. What are the, pool, the, the, the tools of self-empowerment? Well, you got to share those if it's done in the light. You don't keep that shit for yourself, right? But as we've seen all as one, the shadow alongside the light, we've seen if we follow the breadcrumbs and we follow the trails, we have seen those who have kept it for themselves. And, and that's not hard to see. 
Yeah. And what I want to speak into with that is because I've had to analyze this and there's people I've wanted to connect with that have, you know, big influence. And, uh, and I lived in Los Angeles, so I was surrounded by a lot of influencers and I'd meet them a lot at air one market. And, and so because of the money situation, because of power and fame, I do believe that there is, um, you know, it's that, it's that competitive element. And in LA, it's like, well, if you can't make, it's very, it was very expensive in LA because I'm in Arizona now. And I, I realized it was great training for me because everything's basically free or half price here now. And so <laughs> com- comparatively to Los Angeles. And so um, if you're not making me money, I don't have time to talk to you basically. And so that kind of divide is there and you want to talk about power and altruism, I mean, I am truly creating certified health nut platform so anybody with a holistic message can dance on it. And not to mention, if you've got point of contention with white privilege and race and all this stuff, and, and you're a coherent you know, leader, and you're, come on my platform, voice your opinion, have other people you know, there because the YouTube comment section, your peers or whatever they will reflect back to you. Iron sharpens iron. And I, with my ideas and we can have a conversation, you know, let's debate these things. Let's come together. Um, And, you know, I just truly believe, because I worked for free bootstrapping my company for 10 years. I didn't really know what I was doing. I failed my way to success. And, uh, but I, I consider myself a servant. This is a, this is a passion of mine. I do it as sport, right? I do the global awakening and whatever I'm doing online as sport. I learned how to monetize it because when it wasn't monetized, I, you know, the, the, the old lady gave me an earful, you know, and, and let me know. And as I, so I had to come back to my own manhood and who I am. And it was infiltrated with feminism and this idea of the, the, you know, toxic masculinity and the, the divine feminine needs to balance. Everything. No, we need balance, not one or the other. And so I got caught up in that and just deferring my decision-making to my wife. Cause she's a smart person and all that stuff. When I went through the divorce, I had to come back and find my center. And so that's what the beard and all that stuff is about. I just, I let every preconceived idea about business and life in general at 50. And I just, I I just, I just, I said, I'm going to figure it out. I stopped paying coaches and, and, and other people. I said, no more external inputs for right now. Let me, you know, I studied with Paul, his materials. I could be studying for the rest of my life and applying you know, I don't need more, more inputs. What I need to do is activate, you know, what I've learned. And so uh, I understand my role as, as, as a man much more, and I'm really out there to help. And again, I reach out to some people and sometimes it's like almost it's over their head. Like they don't believe I'm here to help because everyone's in such a competitive element. But that's what I built my platform out. And the bigger I get, I'm going to be bringing more and more smaller influencers. Anyone that has things that are positive to say and constructive, we can use on my platform. My, my wife and I, we've got ups and downs and challenges or whatever. My platform is yours, babe. You know, just get on it. She's, she's amazing. Um, uh, a therapist and hypnosis and works with Marissa Peer. And, and it's just like, I created this for all holistic people. 
you know, to, to, to jump on and, and cooperate because popping the consciousness is essential. When we all rise up to a baseline of self-care, then we have our cup spilleth over and we have something to offer to others. So um, I, I really just think that this money thing, it keeps us kind of complacent and in place and it keeps us, you know, distance from each other. And I love the coronavirus because Paul got on London Real. I mean, Paul's not going to fly to London probably to go over to Brian's, and that's what Brian was doing with 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 his his programs. But because of coronavirus, he got on. A lot of other people started mixing it up that never would have mixed it up. So again, no bad or good. Coronavirus is is killing it on so many levels. People are like. They ask me, why, why are you protesting? Why are you doing this? And bottom line is, I love coronavirus. Cleared up the pollution in, 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 uh, in Los Angeles. It got me out to Sedona. My business is boom, skyrocketing. I was pushing boulders up hills for the longest time. Now everybody wants natural remedies to take care of their immune system. They're, they're, they're more interested. Oh, sleep, circadian rhythms? Okay, I'll listen to you now. You know, it's like... So that all roads lead to our own divinity. So I don't know. I got a little sideways. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, I definitely see the positives in that. Something you were talking about that you mentioned on Paul's podcast um, on, you know, toxic masculinity and, you know, and I'll let, you know, I'll, I'll table that discussion for, I mean, we could talk about it too here, but you mentioned that, you know, that led to the divorce with your wife. And then of course, ayahuasca and things as you did your own work and she did her own work. You guys rekindled that fire. I want to mention the book King Warrior Magician Lover by Robert Moore is one of my all time favorites. And I think it's a must read for men and women. And it certainly is applicable to women because all women have their inner queen, right? And they are the queens of their own inner queendom. And so all you have to do is sub one word, women have their inner warrior, lover, and magician as well. Um, But in the introduction of that book, they really dive into what the feminist movement went against was patriarchy. And it was really looking at what we see in men, which are really boys locked into men's bodies. And I know Paul mentioned that, but they take this so deep and they really help people to understand that what we're up against, what feminism is up against is boy psychology. It's the boy psyche. And it's not just boys. It is the fractured boy. It is the wounded child archetype of man that is kept long through age, long as our fucking hair starts to go gray and fall out. That that is the thing that we don't like. And that is the thing that we want to get. It's the shadow warrior, the shadow king that we've seen throughout our history at any point in time that we want to eliminate. But it's not overcome with the divine feminine. It is met with the divine masculine. And I think that is a very important thing to understand that these roles do exist. And it doesn't mean that... Um, women can't have a job. It doesn't mean a lot of things, but correct. There, these sacred roles that are really fulfilled by women and these sacred roles that are fulfilled by men are important. They're very important. And, and I'm not talking job. I'm not talking about what you do with your day. I'm talking about how we know ourselves and how we interact in relationship. And you even find that outside of heterosexual relationships. If they're in good relationship, usually in a same sex, you have one person that will find a, a greater balance of divine feminine and one person of the same sex that is a greater balance of the divine masculine that meet in a working relationship that is same sex. So you see these pairings everywhere. And really, I, I'll link to this book in the show notes for people. It 
it goes so deep into that, that really it was, it was just a breath of fresh air because it was like, I mean, at this point, and you do a lot of men's work, there are a lot of young men who don't know how the fuck to be. They don't know what it is. They, they can't look to their fathers because their fathers weren't the divine masculine. They had their, their traumas and things that they worked through and likely transmitted some of that ongoing stuff. And we've seen these patterns that we are now in charge of breaking, right? The sins of our fathers type deal. We have to break these cycles moving forward, but we also need to know what does that look like? You know, so I'd love for you to unpack that just a little bit. What does it look like to embody these roles and embody these things that really are the antithesis to patriarchy, the antithesis to uh, toxic masculinity is actually divine masculinity. Yeah. So look, there's a strong thirst for this. Men are very keyed in at all ages. And I have, you know, I have my man clan group, um, um, we're, we're working towards a thousand men right now. Uh, and I'm creating an army of awakened souls. And so, and men are in deep need of this, whether they're in their twenties or whether they're in their sixties. And so they all come to our events. They're very attracted, uh, to that. And the women love it and send all their men to it. So I do believe this is the future. Iron sharpens iron. It always has. Men have always sat around the fire and talked shit, told stories, blah, 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 get shit off their chest. Um, and again, like you said before, you know, when men go out on the hunt, um, you know, they're not bringing all their psychological bad baggage with them or the way we were wired in the past. And so that's what you're really dealing with is, is that wounded boy. Everybody's bringing that to the party, whether it's in corporate or whether it's, you know, everybody's, or whether it's trolling on YouTube, <laughs> you can see it, you can see it really, really there. And so, so I can only say, Kyle, that I'm going through this myself. I went through the divorce. I came from some realizations. I've been remarried to my ex-wife. For almost a year, we're coming up on the year, the honeymoon period's over with, so our uh, wounded child, shadow, all of that comes out to play. And my wife is an amazing, beautiful woman, and she has her own trauma and, and things that are, again, what, you know, behavior comes from emotions, energy and motion. Where, where do the emotions come from? The emotions come from the nervous system. They come from our programming. They come from our unconscious and subconscious programming from our nurturing and our DNA. So my wife's Asian. They bound Asian women's feet, at least in Japan. And I don't know if in Korea, but they bound women's feet. So they would, they would have to walk behind the man. And so, uh, so there's a lot of that trauma in there that affects our relationship. And we've got to come correct and, and, and do as much of our internal work as we, as we can. But because we have the challenges that we do, my wife and I are going back to zero. And so, uh, and I work, one of our coaches is a nonviolent communication master uh, and a Native American teacher. So I got a badass coach named Andrew Eckert uh, out here in Arizona. And uh, he really holds our feet to the fire. And, you know, it's, it's the classic thing of like, fix my husband or fix my wife. And so we're going back to square one. He's going to hold our feet to the fire for all our emotional stuff. But I needed to go as a holistic practitioner back to square one to who and what we are and our agreements. And we've been married twice, both times, uh, 
ayahuasca was present. The first time was in 2006. I had just come back from the jungle. I had some recordings of the Icaros. I had the chain smoking alcoholic pastor marrying us in Vegas. We went there to do paperwork. Again, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I could have done it in, in the courthouse in Los Angeles, but we went to Vegas for the Vegas experience. And, uh, and and it was it smelled in this in this uh, chapel or whatever, and and the moon was out, and I was like, "Hey, can we go outside and do this?" We went outside, and she started with the traditional, you know, vows, and I never believed in marriage because I my both my parents were divorced and all this paperwork, but I didn't understand the covenant of marriage because the spiritual brother or sister never explained it. Uh, in that context, I now know about the covenant of marriage, regardless of paperwork, and I'm not interested in the state's paperwork anyhow. Uh, so we're coming back to square one. What are our agreements and our commitments? Because that's going to lay a foundation for the rest of our marriage because the childhood traumas are ever present. And we have to take more and more responsibility to the nth degree. Again, coming back with that neutrality. And then the relationship is 50% of both people. So we always have to keep our side of the street clean. And this principle is an AA, right? You know, you keep your side of the street clean. If we all just would focus on our side of the street and what's behind that? Self-care, self-management. You know, how, uh, how are you handling your management? Because usually when people get into an emotional outburst, that's because they don't have enough sleep, they, their nervous system is exhausted, uh, et cetera. I know that's how I have my outburst. So it works on, on both ways. So we as men and women, my wife and I, we have to go back to the baseline origins of who and what we are. And as practitioners and, 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 and as practitioners, I have to know how to also work with my clients. And so I realized we didn't have these baseline agreements. So we're getting into the nonviolent communication and what's the feelings and needs, but we're still stuck on our emotions. And so we got to go back down to the baseline. So that's where, that's where I'm at in my own relationship. And I use my relationship and my life as a microcosm of the macrocosm. If I'm going through this, then other people are going through this. How did the divide and conquer happen on my dinner table? How was it cool to just break up the family uh, for the sake of, you know, whatever we were going through? And, 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 and I'm not against divorce per se, especially if there's, a, you know, abuse or physical abuse and stuff like that. However, with the constructs that we have and the way of the world and, you know, fiat currencies and feminism. Look, my mother didn't work until 1979 and she took that on as a hobby. Feminism started in 1973 and it was infiltrated by the CIA because they wanted two people to pay into the tax structure. Now, both men and women have to have a job. Who's watching the children? Who's watching the food? Who are the natural nurturers of the children? Well, they're women. And how do, how do I know that? Because I played Mr. Mom and out of that's how I manned up, right? One of my businesses went down. My wife, successful in fashion, she went back, built that back up. She resented me for it 100% because I wasn't the Disney Prince Charming breadwinner. And then it, it, was, it was layered and I got no fucking respect for playing Mr. Mom. And as soon as she came through the door, <laughs> kids were out of there. They were like, ah, mommy, you know? And it's like, so I couldn't even get a witness just for, just for doing the best I could. So what are our natural roles? The women, hormonally, the children need the mother 
First and foremost, the children need nutrition. Where's the nutrition come from? It comes from the titties. It comes from the titties. What did Nestle do um, in Africa and all these other places and throughout the 60s to get women to stop breastfeeding? I mean, this is big divide and conquer stuff. So again, coming back to zero, coming back to my wife, having agreements, commitments, and then working through our differences. But I'm clear. I got all the money on lockdown and the business. Even if I fall on my face, I, I'm cool with that because I'll build it back up. I, I, I've done it before and I'll do it again. And so I got this, babe. And, and you, you know, take all the money that you need. Just make sure the kids are okay. Make sure that you feel good. And that boils down to really just looking pretty. Just go and take care of yourself. I don't care if you got to go to the spa and the massage and sleep and do whatever you need to do. Just do that so that we are present and you are available for the children. And then let's come together with that. And so we're, I relieved her off of her industrial job and she was an amazing fashionista, you know, crushed it, worked for Donna Coran and Calvin Klein, but Amazon started to destroy that whole industry. And so it was a dying dinosaur and it's the only thing that she had. So for, out of fear, she, she clung onto it. And so I've freed her up from that. And now what's happening is she's off gassing all that industrial, like do, 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 be, 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 be lists, get things done. <laughs> and so there's a psychological, you know, transition period that's happening for, you know, her and I, and we're not the only one going through that. So dig back down to the bedrock and go to the root of the mental defilement, the root. That's what my meditation teacher used to talk about. And it's, it's installed in the nervous system. That's where the Vipassana does the neuroplasticity and it rewires it. Go to the root, go to the origins of who and what we are for healing. And I think if the more people that do that in their own lives, they'll find much more solace. And you can never heal your partner. So if your partner is unwilling, like my wife, she wasn't open to all this. So I started drinking ayahuasca in 2006. She started drinking ayahuasca in 2018, and it got us back together. Right. And so she just wasn't ready. I, st I was reading about sexual Kung Fu and Tantra before we got married. It was way over her head. It wasn't until we had more challenges in our, uh, in our relationship that we both started studying sexual Kung Fu. Now she's got a Taoist coach and she's, she's uh, certified underneath Montauk Chia and all that stuff. And so just keep being present and going back to the zero point in your own self and relationships with uh, with others, but all this masculine feminine thing, it needs to be defined and understood. And the second you say feminism, boom, people are like, you know, it's like saying Trump, like fuck you, you know, <laughs> you know, you say Trump or you say feminism, oh, this guy's a misogynist, you know. It's like no, let's talk about where we're at. Let's talk about the realities. Of feminism again. My mother didn't work till 1979. She she got it as a hobby. My dad bought a house for eighteen. He was making eighteen thousand dollars a year as a as a union you know worker, uh, and he was able to buy a house. <laughs> Can't buy a house with eighteen thousand dollars a year right now. Things have changed. So look at the dynamic much more. And divide and conquer is the oldest trick in the book. They the rulers realized a long time ago that it is probably in one of those war playbooks or. Green's, you know, 48 laws of power. I, I don't know, but it's probably written somewhere. You divide and conquer. You don't have to deploy armies. 
to go out in there. People just fight amongst themselves. So this is a newsflash, guys. Wake up to the divide and conquer. Wake up to the divide and conquer through your own consciousness. You are the sum total of the all, light and shadow. So if you're beating yourself up for your anger, just remember, Zach De La Roche said, anger is a gift. Channel that. That was my, this anger has been the bane of my existence. I tried to get rid of it for years and now I realize, Woo! That's a power and force to be reckoned with. Let me channel that. Let me discover that. Let me see where see where it, you know what it is. And lo and behold, they're poisoning the food. Some fucking testosterone motherfucker. It's good that we get up there and start spade a spade. Somebody's got to protect it, right? I'm willing to die for what I believe in, right? I'm willing to die. I'm really. I'm. I'm willing to go to battle and to war. And so that's not what I'm calling forth, but I am willing to do that. And I will use my power, the power of God that's inside of me to go out there and, and do that, whether it's first speaking, you know, I don't want to have to strap on a weapon, <laughs> but I will if I have to. Uh, I'm getting, I'm getting strong warrior energy from you. And I certainly feel that myself, brother. Uh, anybody, anybody with kids out there who's looking to reignite that fire. We just watched re- uh, we rewatched Apocalypto recently mm-hmm. uh, during uh, lockdown. And I was just floored. I mean, tears uh, and just lit on fire. Like, yeah, if, if, if this is what it comes to, I'm fucking there. I'm not even thinking twice. You know, when you think about protecting your family and things like that, um, even V for Vendetta, we rewatched again and it's, it's crazy how many parallels are in that fucking movie. I mean, crazy. Uh, but, but I don't want to, I don't want to trail too far there. Uh, it is nice to have that fire lit and there's no two, there's no two ways about it. Your fire is lit inside. Anyone listening to this, there can be no doubt. Um, the level of your passion. Talk a bit about your book and these pillars that were gifted to you in your, in one of the ayahuasca ceremonies early on, because, you know, a lot of people, as we talk about these things, whether it's pandemic indoctrination or, you know, anything, we're just looking for direction and there hasn't really been a call to action, but I think the first call to action is what you talk about in your book. It's what Paul Check teaches. The call to action is our own inner work. So we can remain calm in the storm. So we think clearly. So we are our best selves for those around us. And um, there's no doubt the pillars you discuss in Ripped at 50 are critical, critical wisdom points that we can stand upon when we build the foundations of our own self. Yes. So Elon Musk talks about this as well. Uh, In physics, it's known as first principles. We need to have just a baseline of what reality is. And uh, the nine pillars are based in uh, uh, biology, physiology, and psychology, just all basics. So the body needs water, right? Uh, The body needs uh, organic nutrition. It actually needs uh, sunlight that's been converted through photosynthesis into chlorophyll, and then we eat the er- we eat the the herbs and the plants, and then we eat the and then the omnivores eat the herbivores, and everybody dies and goes back into the microbes, and uh, and this is the closed organic life cycle. So we need to know the basic fundamental principles. You got breath is life, right? Breath is the first form of oxygen next to the uh, the. Breath is the first form of nutrition next to the sun, I postulate. And so you want to optimize your breathing mechanics because poor cellular respiration uh, is directly related to your 
your breathing mechanics, and it's directly related to premature aging. So if you want beauty and you want the Kardashians and you want all that stuff, you know, it's not going to come from uh, liposuction and, and uh, butt jobs and boob jobs. It's going to come, the, the true beauty is going to come from cleaning out your tissues um, and living, you know, as much of a holistic, uh, powerful lifestyle. And so optimize your, your breathing mechanics. Um, um, and most people are neck breathers and mouth breathers. That elevates cortisol. I go through the seven factors of stress in, in, in my book as well. Um, and so elevated cortisol, chronic elevated cortisol, which most people are facing today. Most of my uh, professional clients uh, are facing burnout. Uh, they're overtraining in the gym. They're overthinking. They're overworking. They're not sleeping. They're on that pot of coffee, stimulants. Um, and so... So breathing, very important, you know, optimize that so that you're, you're breathing properly while you're resting, while you're asleep. And so and this is a lifelong process. You always want to check in with everything that's going on. But if you catch yourself mouth breathing or neck breathing, neck is a little tight, then work on your, your, your mechanics. And I've got all the tools in my book to, to, to work around that very simply and quickly. And so, and then your thoughts, check your thinking. Most of our thinking is programmed by the media and your industrial age school system. And here's a news flash: The industrial age is over with. So, you know, <laughs> check, check your thinking. Thinking is catabolic. So if you're uh, stuck in analysis paralysis, uh, this can actually break the body down as well, ele- elevated cortisol again. And so then you've got, you know, your relationship to nature. And so, again, we've been domesticated in these thermoregulatory homes and just get out into nature. You need sunlight and you need to be grounded. If you haven't read the book Earthing.com by Clint Ober, it's a scientific document that's about that thick and UCLA and everybody laughed at him. And then I think he got a pass, they said, hey, the sleep department, I think they'll work with you. They'll, they'll, they might like your information. Well, lo and behold, they did a ton of research and it lowers inflammation and helps with sleeping and et cetera, et cetera. So get your nature pillar, you know, online, you know, uh, uh, if you're in a dirty city, getting out into the mountains are, are going to help you, et cetera, et cetera. Wild waters, uh, help rejuvenate you and re-energize you. It also grounds you to the earth. And the Maori taught me that uh, salt water kills negative spirits or bad spirits. And again, if you don't believe in psychic density, walk into the LA Coliseum when the Trojans are playing. <laughs> walk into the LA Coliseum on Tuesday morning when only the staff is in the offices. It's going to feel a lot different, right? So watch who you're hanging out with. Watch Watch all the media that you allow into your brain. Same thing with the hip-hop. Fuck a bitch, blah, 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 blah. You know, I love hip-hop too and those strong beats, but watch all the programming that comes in there. Same thing with, you know, check your movies and stuff like that. And I'm not saying don't enjoy yourself. I'm just saying watch your consciousness. So your thinking, your breathing, your nature, you know, uh, your relationships. We're in relationship with each other and we're in relationship with the earth. And so if you're in relationship with your wife and you're hating on her or your husband or whatever, you know, Try and find somewhere in your soul to release the resentment because you are bearing that cross that you're carrying that. I I hang out with uh, Mick Dodge, the legend of Mick Dodge, the National Geographic did 39 episodes on this motherfucker. He wears elk elk skins and he's the barefoot sensei. He barbells and ice water training in the Ho rainforest in the Olympic peninsula. And uh, yeah, 
Yeah, so so Mick said his grandfather used to make him carry big rocks when they had frowns. So his big thing is just grin. Just keep that grin up there. Because you know what? Yeah, if you focus on that life sucks, then it's going to suck. But just keep that grin up there. So his grandfather made him carry a rock. And hold on to that exactly how long you want to. But when it gets exhausting, let go of that. That's the same level of emotions that you're carrying with you. And it's been said in the past, you have to weight W-A-I-T in direct proportion of how much emotional weight W-E-I-G-H-T you have in the way of your goals or your dreams. So let go of that resentment, right? It's, it's not going to serve you for, forever. Heal it, integrate it, do whatever you have to, but really check in with your relationships because you're in relationship with everyone. That's why all this race baiting and stuff that's happening. Okay, you're pissed, you're, you're upset, and you're angry. What are we going to do now? You know, you want to do some Brazilian jiu-jitsu? You want to sit around the fire? You want to, you know, smoke some peyote or, you know, whatever. You know, it's like, what are we going to do now? There's 8 billion people on the planet. Are we going to cry over our spilt milk? I'm a man. I don't, I don't judge people. I judge people on their character, not the color of their skin, you know? And so, so our relationships, that's another important pillar. And then the, the primary pillar is your legacy, your dream, your purpose. What the hell are you doing on life? Now, I postulate that women really don't need much of a purpose because biologically, um, nature's first law is self-preservation. So we all want to get laid at the biochemical level. So uh, can we get over our sex and all our hangups and call a spade on spade on, on, uh, on pornography and this Kardashian type consciousness? Like, but the bottom line is, is women are the natural nurturers. They want to have children. And then who want, who, what do the children want? They want mommy. And they need mommy. And I'm trying to get my wife to totally understand that, that you know, be present with the children because that's all they want is to be with her and to be loved and nourished. And she's an amazing cook. And she, the, you know, when she brings me a plate of food, it's amazing. If I have to ask her for it, she thinks, you know, she's like, she wants to exert her feminism. And so, so I'm just blessed for that. But men, if they don't have a purpose, anything will do. And what's happening in the world today? People are disgruntled. They're miserable. Their hip flexors are shut down. They drive into a job in a car that they can't afford, sitting in two hours of traffic with a boss that they hate, telling them how much money they can make. And so you need a purpose, guys. You need to define your dream from your heart's desire. Figure that out. And there's multiple exercises in the book. The top one is uh, become the author of your own reality. Design your life uh, by design, not by default. And so, uh, write your eulogy. You know, face your own death. That's the other thing. People are all scared about the coronavirus. Death is a part of life. Be a strong organism. Don't worry about what's going to happen. Viruses, the history of bacteria and microbes on this planet. Look, go to the Amazon. You're not top of the food chain. You know, really experience life. And, and, so, and, and so quit being afraid. Face your death and then live a life worth living. And so go, men need a legacy. And it comes from your heart's desire, not how you want to monetize it. And I've had, I've had you know, moguls, restaurateurs, all the way down to hippies and you know, spiritual woo-woos over at my house as clients. And we whiteboard their dream. And pretty much everybody wants to open up a healing center and make the world a better place. I don't care if they're multi-billionaires or, you know, all the way down. Everybody wants to make the world a better place. So figure out your legacy.
especially important for men. And the number one question that I have when I ask that is, do you want to have children? Do you want to have a family? Because that is nature's first law. And so uh, once that's clear, then you've got to have a strong enough body. Women need 22% body fat to have children, unless you want them to suck it out of your bones. Anybody heard of osteoporosis? And so you want to get your nutrition on point if you're going to have children. So again, legacy is super important. Uh, I think that's the first step, looking in the mirror, literally and figuratively, figuring out what the heart's desire. And one of the best ways to do that is become the author of your own life, the authority, and define your ideal uh, by figuring out your your dream, your purpose, your legacy. And uh, I think I covered all nine pillars. Beautiful, brother. Well, uh, we will link to Ripped at 50 in the show notes for people to grab from your website. And you are just um, at the Certified Health Nut everywhere online. Is that correct? I'm easy to find. Awesome, brother. Dude, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, We'll be out in Sedona in mid-October, and I want to see you. So, God bless. Thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you guys for tuning in today's show with my dude, Troy Casey. Give him a follow, the Certified Health Nut. We got all his stuff linked to it in the show notes. And check out his book, Ripped at 50. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. It is phenomenal. Um, you know, like he said on the check interview, he's he's not trying to recreate the wheel. Check did the most comprehensive Bible ever written on health and wellness. That is how to eat, move, and be healthy. We will link to that in the show notes as well. So be sure to check out those if you are on just getting started on your health mission. But Ripped at 50 is phenomenal and it's laden with dope stories. It is incredibly fascinating to see this guy's trajectory, what he's done in his life, and where he's headed now. Love y'all and I'll see you next week. <laughs>